On this episode of the Trade Buzzers podcast, we're going to be looking at the Theta Engine Matrix, which is a large piece of updated research I did on the strategy that looks at various parameters such as adjusting the stop loss, the profit take, and the delta, and the DTE. Uh, before we go on, the usual disclaimer, I'm not a financial advisor, so everything on this podcast is for informational purposes only and not to be construed as an investment advice. So first off, um, where can you find the Theta Engine Matrix? So I have added a link to the main Trade Busters trading page. As always, if you don't know where that is, you can go to www.thetradebusters.com, which will bring you to the Trade Busters page, the welcome page, which has the list of all the links, um, as you guys know, for the different strategies, the different essays. And there's now a link that's called Theta Engine Matrix, which will bring you to this page. There's a few tabs on here. So I'm going to go over today what I have so far. And in the future, if we have anything new, I may come back and do another episode on this. So first of all, when you go to the link, you're going to go immediately to the Google Sheets itself. The, the workbook is called Theta Engine Matrix, and there's a tab called Test Matrix. So what I did was I, I conducted a large amount of different back tests. Uh, this time I was using eDelta Pro again, and I ran them through my usual post-processing to simulate for the, the credit targeting the and to get the premium capture, the drawdown. And you can actually see an example. Um, there is a tab called Test Sheet, which right now there is just, I don't remember which test data is in here, but you can see this should look very familiar. And it's going to have you know, different calculations and it's tracking a net lick, it's tracking max drawdown and everything. So, and this is the usual process I do when I get the raw data from a back tester, I plug it in and it's going to essentially um, output the metrics that we usually look for. So uh, going back to the test matrix sheet, uh, you can see there is four columns which I vary the parameters. And just as a control, there's a yellow bar at the top that says all these results, when I run this, it's assuming a 10% return target. It's assuming 27% PCR. And this is using daily entry from 2005 to 2021, right? So those are the same settings for all the, all the studies. But then the parameters we're going to be tweaking, these should be self-explanatory. We have the DTE. So I tested 45, 90, 150, and 300. Uh, there is a, the delta, which I did 15, 30, and 50. So going from out of the money, moving to at the money. And then the profit take, the MP or max profit. It goes from 20, 40, 60, 80. And finally, the stop loss. There's various stop loss levels, 1, 2, 3, 4. And just to clarify, a 1x stop loss, meaning a net loss of 1. So if you collect a dollar and you get stopped out at $2, you've lost $1, right? Likewise, if you have a 2x stop loss, that means you collect a dollar, you get stopped out at $3 for a net loss of 2, which is 2x. So in total, there is 192 different permutations here. And so of all of these, we're looking at various metrics, look, such as the PCR, the max drawdown, um, the average days in trade, the win rate, the average win size, average loss size. Those are the base metrics. There's a few other ones here which I put together to kind of qualitatively give you a better comparison. So I want to talk about these. There's the PCR to max drawdown. Because again, depending on the win rate, you know, we talked about this before, you may have a high PCR just because the win rate is high. But depending on how the strategy runs and 
you know, where your stops are hit and how the stops cluster, it may have an effect on the drawdown characteristics of the strategy, right? So looking at the PCR over drawdown, which is column G, kind of gives you a sense of the risk-adjusted PCR, if you will. And then um, in column L, it's just the risk-reward ratio, which is just, um, I think it's column K divided by column J. Yes, it is. And this um, gives you an idea of basically how many wins it takes to overcome a loss, right? Obviously, if you have like 20% max profit and a 4x stop loss, right? You can see column row five, right? It's at 17 to one because the wins are so small and the losses are so big. And then Kelly, uh, this is the Kelly formula. We've talked about this in the past. Uh, this is just kind of a formula that tells you I don't use this the way it's meant to be. It's kind of a way that tells you um, how much of your capital you should bet on a strategy to optimize the returns. Obviously, I, I, I've said before, we don't recommend actually betting at this size, but it gives you some context in terms of how strong um, the strategy is. And then to kind of normalize everything, I have the TE score. I want to kind of point this out. This is a completely arbitrary metric, but again, it's to give context because I'm trying to wrap everything into sort of a single metric that combines all the qualities of the different other base metrics. And I found that, you know, and this is always true, right? I've always said everything's a trade-off. So again, take this with a grain of salt, but I'm just going to explain to you what the formula and how it's come up with that so you can have an idea because you should always kind of take everything into um you can sort of everything taken into consideration when trying to consider which parameter or which setup you want to do. But the TE score is essentially column G, which is that PCR to max drawdown, multiplied by the Kelly. All right, again, I'm kind of just trying to normalize this. A um, couple other things that I've realized later on is, so this is called speed. Um, no, we've said that we take a max profit why do we not take trades to expiration? Obviously, one, there's the gamma risk. But the other one is about capital efficiency, right? If you can take, you know, 60% max profit in less than one half of the time in trade, right, holding expiration, you're kind of beating that curve in terms of your capital, right? Because if I can take, just use a very simple example. If I can take 50% profit in 25% of the time, right? Let's say I'm doing you know, just to use round numbers, 100 DTE, and I can get 50% profit in 25 days, right? If I do that four times in a row, right, and I can collect 50% profit four times in a row in the 100 days, right, I'm essentially, you know, quadrupling kind of my capital efficiency rather than, um, well, I guess I should say doubling, right? If I go 100 days and hold it to expiration, I can get 100% profit, but if I collect 50% four times, I'm getting 200% profits, right? You're doubling that capital efficiency. So speed is kind of a measure of that, right? We've taken the A2, which is the DTE, and divided by the average DIT, which is column H, right? This basically tells you how many round trips you can do and hit that profit target within that DTE, right? So just in a quick example, if we look at row one, 45 DTE, Average DIT. Now this is what what the twenty percent max profit. So you, you hit the you hit the profit take very quickly. So four days, four point one, right? So basically you can do eleven round trips, right? But 
Obviously, again, taken into context because the PCR is very low. Um, so even if you can do a lot of round trips, you're not necessarily collecting that much of the premium net, right? which kind of takes into account if you're doing 11 round trips, how much are you paying for commissions, right? So you have to take that into consideration. But I do have one more step, which is, to again, to normalize this is the PCR velocity, right? Which I'm multiplying the speed factor times column um, O times E, right? PCR times speed. So one thing I will point out, obviously within the even if you're taking a low profit take, right? The average DIT is lower for lower profit takes. Generally speaking, like if you compare, you know, 20% max profit on a 45 DTE to 25% profit on a 60 or 90 DTE, the average DIT is just gonna be longer because theta generally is slower at a higher DTE, right? So the speed and the PCR velocity, these metrics are better to compare within trades of the same DTE regime, right? So comparing all the 45 DTE trades, right? Or comparing all the 90 DTE trades. It doesn't necessarily make sense to compare those between a 45 and a 90, right? Or definitely not between like a 45 and a 300, okay? So this table, again, if you look at this, it has a lot of metrics. I've highlighted a few of the key ones just, just for context. For example, the 45 DTE, you know, 60 profit, 2x stop loss. I mean, that's basically the what I'm doing right now for Theta Engine, but at 45 DT. And you can see that the max drawdown characteristic is, is quite low, right? The average DIT is very low. If the DIT is low, it means your book size is small, which means your average level one risk is small. So there are some benefits, right? This is kind of what I used to do. This is before I did the 45 and then the 45 plus ultimately to 90. So I've said this before, if you don't really worry about or want to try and hedge against black swans because the bomb shelter won't work with this lower D DTE. Not only that, the capital efficiency, right? So if you haven't already, go back to the capital efficiency study episode where it's going to take more capital because for portfolio margin, the margin requirement goes up The um, for being closer to the money. And it also goes up as you get closer to expiration. So it takes more capital to be at 45, you use more leverage, but there are some benefits, right? Now, obviously, if we go back to the 90 um, row 59, which is the 90 DT, this is the, the main staple one I'm using, 60% profit, 2x stop loss, you know, and you can see the PCR is very high. The max drawdown, it's, it's about what we said it is, you know, for 10% target, 21.1%. That's obviously probably in 2000 seven to 2008 no sorry it should be 2008 to 2009 right that that's about what you'd expect so the drawdown's worse average dit is longer but pcr is very strong um and some other ones of note and i just and these are kind of kind of arbitrary you know so again take these with a grain of salt you should really study everything kind of figure out for yourself what characteristics you kind of value but you know 90 dte 80 percent max profit kind of interesting because you push the PCR a little higher, the max drawdown doesn't really go down. The book size, where vis-a-vis um, -vis the average DIT does go up, um, but you make more money and you basically squeeze more juice, right? If the PCR is higher, it means you can lower the credit target, which means even though if your book size is bigger, you may not have that much more value at risk, right? Because this risk is based on the credit. So there's a lot of things to kind of keep in mind. 
Um, and another thing, I don't necessarily, uh, I wouldn't necessarily do this myself, but it is kind of interesting to look at 40% max profit with a 2x stop loss because the drawdown is very low. Uh, the PCR also goes down, but because of the the velocity, right, the speed, you can do a lot of round trips. Um, there may be some benefit of having the lower book size, right? So mainly the PCR is lower, but the book size is quite a bit lower and the drawdown is a lot lower. So I don't know. It's just something to keep in mind. If the drawdown is really one of your primary kind of uh, things that you want to keep and manage, right? This may be something to look into. Now, just for context, I did do 150 DTE, 300 DTE. I didn't really see anything here that interesting. It, it, originally, I was hoping that some of these benefits of the longer DTE that we've talked about would kind of extend. But at the end of the day, it seems like theta is just too low. You have too many positions on the books. So if there is a black swan, you just get hit with everything. So the drawdown gets pretty significant. Like I highlighted one just for fun, row 122, which is 150 DTE, 30 delta, 60 max profit, 62% max drawdown. Obviously, that's just not acceptable, right? So it's not even something you consider. Um, I think I highlighted another one here. Maybe not, but and in any case, I think it was helpful to do this exercise and to look through it and just, again, get qualitatively some view into the behavior of the strategy, right? We're only tweaking these kind of four parameters, but it can lead to a lot of variety and variation in how the strategy plays out. So definitely take a look at this study and, uh, you know, it might give you some insights into which setup that you prefer. And there is one more thing on here. Um, there's a tab called the filter study, which I will explain real quick. Um, this is a, a basically running the base TE strategy. So again, 10% target return, 27% PCR. This is using primarily, well, I've listed out which DTE and Delta and everything on here. Um, so if you pay attention just in case in case like uh, results look weird because there are some where I did like a 60 DTE study for example just so you know and essentially I put different filters and when I say filter it means if you look at the column one if those conditions are met you trade if they're not you don't trade right essentially these are kind of momentum filters so one of them is like if the market, or in this case, SPR is greater than the nine day simple moving average or greater than 21 days, greater than 100, for example. And this is basically, you only trade in the uptrending market, right? If, the, if it's a downtrending market, you shut off, you don't enter. Conversely, we're trying to see if what happens if you trade only in a downtrending market. And obviously you can see that trading in a downtrending market is not good, right? The PCR goes down, the drawdowns are bigger. Um, average DIT, those all change the win rate. And what's interesting though, is the win rate itself doesn't really change that much. Um, but let's just look at a, one example. If you trade only above, let's say 150 SMA, right? Row six, you can see that the PCR goes up, right? The average, the max drawdown gets cut quite significantly, right? Row, uh, row two is the control, that's no filter. Right? It cuts the drawdown from 21% to 13, right? So that seems great, right? The win rate is about the same. Um, the Kelly ratio goes up, the TE score goes up. And, but 
what's the trade-off, right? Well, now, because we're talking about filtering, we need to talk about the number of trades, right? Trade volume. So if you look at the occurrences, I have it on there. You can see that it cuts down from 4,200 trades to 3,200 trades. And so because of that, again, to give you some context, I've added some other metrics. So there's volume, right? Volume is just the occurrences of that study, of that filter, relative to the base, which is no filters. So you can see row six, the volume is 78%, right? We're, we, you've sat out 22% of the trades. And because of that, we measure throughput, which is PCR because the PCR goes up, but we balance that out with the lower volume. So PCR times volume is throughput. And you can see that it basically has 85% of the PNL, even though the drawdown's lower, right? Because you're trading so much less. So what's interesting is, but, we want to look at the drawdown as well. So relative drawdown is basically taking the drawdown of that study relative to the base. So you have the max drawdown is 62% of the max drawdown of the control, right? And finally, we combine them for a risk-adjusted throughput, so which is just basically taking the throughput and dividing by the relative drawdown. So you can see from that aspect that if you only trade above 150 SMA, it does give you... I guess a better risk adjusted return, but you really have to think this through. Like if you, if the drawdown is something you're okay with anyways, you're just leaving money on the table, right? Because you just don't trade. So, I mean, and, and that's something, what's really interesting from these studies is the win rate doesn't really change all that much. <laughs> you can trade in a downtrending market and they, you know, 50 over 200 SMA, 9 over 21 EMA, less than 200 SMA, above 150 SMA. The win rate is basically the same. And that is actually kind of neat because it shows you that probabilities are the same regardless of the market conditions, right? The delta is, in fact, a good proxy for the probability and the win rate. And actually, you know, Tom has said this before on, on Tasty Trade, right? Basically, you can make more money in high VIX, not because your win rate's higher, but just because you can collect more premium, volatility is higher. Now remember, because we credit target, we don't necessarily take advantage of that. We rather just try and uh, use less contracts or use lower delta when VIX is high. But again, this is still showing that the, the fact that the win rate is similar is really interesting. And so why is the, why is the drawdown so much lower for the study where you're above 150 SMA, right? Only trading in an uptrending market. So remember, even if your win rate is the same, the sequencing and the order of wins to losses will make a difference in terms of your drawdown. So for example, these are all around 90% win rate, okay? So which means you're only losing one out of 10. Now, if you lose, if you literally have nine wins and then a loss and then nine wins and a loss, you will have an extremely extremely steady equity curve. That will actually be very good because you're gonna have so many winners before you have a loser. So your, your equity curve will just be like nine steps forward and two steps back, right? But if you have all of a sudden 10 losses in a row and then 90 winners, right? You're gonna start out, out the gate with like that huge drawdown. And that basically is what you don't want, right? Even though you still have the same 90% win rate, if you have, if you start with 10 losers and then 90 winners, you'll climb back up to whatever that PCR is supposed to be. 
but you're gonna start with a huge hole. So that drawdown characteristic will be different. So basically what I think is happening is when you trade above 150 SMA, you're kind of avoiding those situations where that black swan or that huge down market's about to happen where you get that book wipe, right? That's why it's avoiding the drawdown, even though um, the win rate is very similar, All right? Now, what does that mean? Do you want to trade Theta Engine with a filter? I mean, maybe because, you know, like I said, with that risk-adjusted throughput, it seems very attractive, right? If the drawdown is something you really want to avoid. Now, personally, I'm not doing this, again, because this is at the end of the day still kind of curve fit because like, why is the 150 SMA? Why the 200? Why the 100? You can test these for all of them trying to find the best one. But what's the best? How it's going to play out? It's going to be different. These are backwards looking, right? But I can see the value in this if people who really have a hard time pulling the trigger, like, okay, this is clearly, I don't know, <laughs> at least the, 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 the analysis or the TA tells you it's, it's a downtrending market. It doesn't make sense to sell puts or whatever. If you want to have a little discretion or something that tells you it's risk off, this is probably okay as long as you can stick with it right the thing is you don't want to do something like this and then don't listen to it and then you know you, you actually sell puts in the down market and you get the drawdowns anyways or you avoid trades and so it's it's, it's always comes back to for a system to be robust and there's something you can have conviction and really execute you want to be able to stick with it okay but i think these filter studies work very interesting in the in terms of the context because when you look at the results in light of the different filters and what the filters mean in terms of what the market's doing, it kind of makes sense, right? So for some people, this may actually give you more conviction. For me, I don't know, because again, it's just easier for me to trade every day and not have to think about, oh, you know, when's the crossover going to happen or when's the, the EMA going to be above or below. And it just kind of, at least for now, suits my personality better. But I hope that these studies, right, the matrix, the filter study, give you some context and help you add some, you know, some, some I, I don't know, qualify the strategy a little bit better in terms of you making decision on how you want to run it, right? So hope that helps. Uh, before I let you guys go, there are a couple other things on here. I'm not going to get into it now, but there's something called the TE Omnibus, which, and you can see a bunch of tabs with like EEM, IWM, SPY, TLT. Uh, this was my attempt to run kind of a multi-asset data engine. And you can see on the TE Omnibus tab, um, you can even change the target return and the weights and the balances of the different assets. I won't get too much into it now because the results were not very good, right? I, I could not find, I was trying to find a, a using a supposedly uncorrelated assets to run a, you know, like I said, a multi-asset data engine, but TE mechanics just didn't really work that well on any of the other underlying. So there, I couldn't get like a good return. Um, that made sense in terms of trying to dampen the volatility. So if I found something more interesting, if you guys have suggestions, go ahead and, and let me know. But that's there for now. Um, and maybe it'll spark some ideas. So anyways, uh, we'll leave it there for now. Um, as always, if you guys enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can also visit my trading page at www.thetradebusters.com where you'll find all the strategy mechanics and trade logs as well as various essays I have written and other podcasts I recommend. Finally, you can follow me on Twitter at TheTradeBuster. That's it for today. Thank you all for listening, and I'll see you guys next time.